Dear listener, we are back in Korea with a vengeance. We have arrived at chapter 17. And the title of it is Do You Know Queen Elizabeth II? A strange title in relation to Korea, but it will be revealed a little later in the piece. Chapter 17. Korea seemed to enjoy going from one place to another at record pace, experiencing their journey through the lens of a camera, photographing themselves, photographing family and friends in front of temples, palaces, monuments, roadside stalls in front of everything, both important and irrelevant. Then off to the next place. I got caught up in such a pacey journey, a particularly wonderful journey. I was invited to visit an absolute magic area in Korea, the area around Andong. Before I had time to consider the offer, we were off. Four graduate students with whom I had developed a friendship during my work time decided to take me to some special places and share the beauty of the areas where they live. They took me in a car. Cruising, outside the car, mountains, tunnels, freeways, streets, houses, apartments, shops, shops, more shops, cars, trucks, buses, ripening fields of corn, stepped rice paddies, autumn skies of endless and ever deepening blue sky color, white valleys, mountain passes, and distant green velvet mountains. Inside the car, Korean pop music, Korean language, laughter, and an almost innocent delight in everything going on a journey. The beauty of Korea is, out, is its outline. The horizon is always determined by mountains. In fact, there is no place in Korea where you cannot see a mountain. At times, the outline will be soft, cloud-shrouded mountains. At times, the outline will be sharp, bare mountains. In some places, the outline reminded me of the razor back of a dragon. So sudden, so steep so extremely high, so sharply defined, geographical origami, folding, refolding, sharp edges. The outline beauty does not only relate to nature, but is also strongly defined in Korea's architecture, especially the traditional architectural styles, reflecting the beauty of, the, of Korea in their outline. We were on our way to Andong, known as peaceful place in the East, before I had time to note down any journey details, we arrived. The history of this special town goes back in one way or another to 57 BC. It is regarded by some as the cradle of traditional culture. It has a great deal of physical proof of this, proof of fl flourishing Buddhist and Confucian cultures of time past in the form of old temples, stone pagodas, numerous Buddha sculptures, noblemen's houses and nearby a village which has remained unchanged for many centuries. It was a special day, the day of the Koreans called Malbo. Following the lunar calendar, this day is the last in a series of three. Tsobo, the first hot day of summer. Chongbo, the middle hot day of summer. Mabo, the last hot day of summer. Today, Mabo, the turning point, we are looking at autumn. Arriving at Andong, we were welcomed by Hun Tak, one of my friend's uncles. 
Untak is a teacher of English. He and I had some previous contacts via the email network. He enjoyed the stories I had sent him and was now ready to show us his brand of wonder, the town and its environment. But first the obligatory lunch. For, for this important daily ritual, we were taken to Andong Folk Village. It is near Andong proper and was built, he told us, to house the cultural assets and prevent them from being flooded by the reservoir when the dam was being built in the 70s. We climbed up high into the village, sighted comfortably into the mountainside. There in an ancient house is a small restaurant. It overlooks the reservoir. We lunched on an Andong specialty, Nick say, a bowl of reddish cold watery soup. It contained ginger, rice, red pepper and minutely cut up vegetables. It was both most refreshing and energizing. Cold hot food for a hot day. Additionally, there was a bowl of rice and, a, and fish soup, which, was, which contained many kinds of fish and had been simmering for some days to make a tasty broth. Side dishes of fish, fr fried zucchini and bean and egg pancake is always very tasty, nourishing and just the right amount. Before the food had time to settle, we were off. Next destination, tea at Huntak's house. We walked there via two special places. Boryong Day, a place to enjoy the full moon viewing. We overlooked the lake with mountains emerging from it. I could imagine a full moon right there and then. To enjoy this simple and to translate it into the poetic. The second place of interest was set deep in the side of the mountain. An ice safe. During the winter, large and thick slabs of ice were cut from the river and stored in this safe to keep the fish for summer. What an amazing concept. Would take his wife and two daughters live high up in an apartment building. This fountain's point allowed us a bird's eye view over the old part of town. An observed detail. On some of the older house, houses' roofs, pumpkins were growing. This has two functions, plenty of space for the pumpkins without using valuable earth, plus cooler house in relation to their big leaves. De de definitely an idea to employ. We were welcomed with a bowl of refreshing plum tea. Here is the simple recipe for that. All you need is easily available at home in Australia. Try it. Fill a jar with ripe plums. Top up with honey. Leave for 15 days. Take out the plums, then leave for another year. The liquid tastes slightly fermented. Fill a bowl with one-fifth and fill with cold or hot water. Sprinkle a few pine nuts on the bowl. Plum tea ready. Before the tea and fruit offered with it had time to settle, we were off, off via Sebibon, a huge Buddhist sculpture cut from a slab of stone in situ. The head and hair are two huge stones separately carved in full three dimension and put into place later. The strong carving at the top and almost no carving at the base of the total work seems to merge the statue with the earth, symbolizing that Buddha is as much of the earth as of the spirit.
before I had time to make a quick photo, we were off, off to Pongyongsa, bird resting temple. Once again, the beauty of the Korean outline, the mountains on the side of which the temple was nestled, appeared as a huge bird resting. Here at the oldest wooden temple in Korea, I was given a business card by a monk who asked me, do you know Queen Elizabeth II? When I looked a bit surprised at this, he coached me into his tiny room and produced a series of photos of the Queen's visit to the temple last April. In a generous gesture so typical of Korea, he offered me some of them. I politely declined, but Hoon Tuck snapped them up. The locals are proud of the visit and have named about three roads the Queen's Road, although this, they are a little peeved at the fact that now the temple has become famous, they have to pay to get in. Thanks, Lizzie. As every temple in Korea, in a room without walls, overlooks a valley, four types of large percussion instruments were housed. One a gong made from bronze in the shape, in the two-dimensional, stylized shape of a cloud suspended from the ceiling. It is struck for all the sentient beings who fly. Another, a drum made of wood, in the shape of a hollow fish is struck for all the sentient beings which swim. The third, a huge drum on a stand made from wood and leather is struck for all the sentient beings who walk. The fourth, the giant bell which with deeply hums rather than rings is struck for all the sentient beings. An ever so short peaceful moment sitting in a quiet area in the temple ground, set aside for study and contemplation. A small garden surrounded by five buildings, patinaed with age, I note the stone lamp plus an old pine tree, extorting itself from a rock in the most incredible tortured shape, a hundred days blossom tree. There are the, the sound of many birds. For the first time that day, I experience a little of that Buddhist peace but not too long before the experience of sitting in, in the oldest wooden temple in Korea had time to settle, we were off, off to the next spot, Korean-style sightseeing continued. The green rice fields, like sunburned green lakes at the base of dust, dark mountains, are starting to turn golden. Messages from autumn. We speed through landscape I want to stroll through. We zip through spaces I want to feel and experience more deeply. We race along road while I, with some envy, observe the farmers quietly strolling along the edges of their field, taking in the evening peace after a day of hard work. Huntak and his generosity of spirit keeps filling me with continuous flow of information. Rather than receiving the facts, I'd like to experience the spirit of place. But we can't. There is so much more to look at. Yet at this pace, it, we may look, but it's difficult to see. We drive on and penetrate the steep mountains, enter deep into the range through valleys. That night, an acquaintance of our guide and guardian followed us and allowed us to stay in a truly ancient Confucian school building. Incredible feelings. Before settling in for the night, we enjoyed numerous classes of the famous Andong Soju, in a large open room without walls, a room for talking, Mendero, easy early evening mountain viewing room, sightseeing, 
Sai Sing.